0: Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on.
1: Welcome to Talking Tourism. My name is Luke Martin and I'm your host for this fortnight's episodes. But my day job is, of course, as CEO of the Tourism Industry Council of Tasmania, or TICT. Talking Tourism is an initiative of TICT, the peak industry body for tourism in the beautiful state of Tasmania. Today's episode is the latest in a series of special Talking Tourism episodes we've been producing every fortnight since the COVID emergency began to keep Tasmanian tourism operators and industry stakeholders engaged and informed of the latest developments, industry news and government decisions as we make our way through the crisis conditions and now, fortunately, onto our recovery. In this context, I do want to thank the Tasmanian government sponsoring these episodes, along with Caleb Miller from AC40 Media for his excellent production. Today's episode, I'm joined by Simon Westaway, who is the Executive Director of the Australian Tourism Industry Council, or ATIC. Uh, Simon, g'day. Welcome. Thanks for joining me.
0: Oh, Cheers, Luke. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh,
1: a lot of our listeners would wonder, what is the Australian Tourism Industry Council, or ATIC? Um, can you just explain what the role is that you've got and what that body is?
0: Yeah, fantastic. So, look, ATIC um, is, is is under 10 years old. I mean, ATIC, in essence, is a federated body of the um, the state and territory TICs. So, um, so each of the state and territory tick CEOs make up the board of, of ATIC. Um, we are a true federation. We have all the states and the two Territories counted, and from a federal perspective, which is where Attic does its focus, uh, it's around policy advocacy, uh, engagement, giving the Ticks or giving the state, our state, um, a member of a of state tick, the ability to have a voice uh, in Canberra and a voice within the uh, federal departments and a, and a, I guess a, a national voice, which is not at all trying to detract from what happens at the state level. In fact, what we do is we leverage and, in essence, uh, take forward the um, the sound arguments. And activities that occur at a state level and bring all that together. Um, the other aspect of ATIC, which is a really important one, is that we operate um, three particular assets for our industry and for our, our members, which we've got 10,000 collective members across the country combined all the TIC's uh, memberships together, and that is the Australian Tourism Awards, um, which we deliver on an annual basis. Um, regrettably, we'll have a Hiatus due to COVID for for next year, but the um the, the awards remain a, a core asset of our offering. Also, that we have the uh, quality tourism framework, you know, a national uh, approach to accreditation, which, as we all appreciate, is critical to um, consistent, um, strong service delivery, culture, and ability to, to continue to raise the standard of our product and and correlating to raising yields. Uh, and we also operate uh, a star ratings program star ratings australia which is uh, which is again aligned back to the uh, national accreditation arrangements in the essence it's, it's that sort of trium- triumph that uh, lines up in terms of those three offerings Then with the policy and advocacy over the top, which has uh, been a a big part of my my role since coming on in August last year.
1: Yeah, it certainly has been. uh, Well and truly, uh, the last six months between bushfires and COVID, uh, it's uh, certainly been an unexpected uh, demand on time. Um, So just to round that out, if you are one of our uh, 1,100 accredited star-rated tourism ward entrant operators in Tasmania, your line of sight of Attic uh, fundamentally is really through uh, ATTIC running those programs and setting the national standards and, and national structure, but also obviously through TRCT and myself um, uh, serving as a, a director on ATTIC. So there is a real line of sight.
0: Spot on, Luke. There is a line of sight. And um, one thing I've Tried to pride myself, and in terms of my background, I've probably had, I've had the pleasure, but also the privilege to have been able to, um, and probably a bit of luck along the way to, in order to experience different parts of the visitor economy. I'm a long-term uh, airline executive um, with two two airlines. I've been part of two domestic airline startups. Um, I was a senior executive at Tourism Australia for. Um, a number of years and have managed now to come back into the industry in a different in a different guise. But also I guess I'm probably a product of a family of small business and I'm always sort of you know, acutely aware and passionate about how small business people tick um, how you operate I, we lived and breathed this the good years and the bad years as a family growing up on our farm but uh, nonetheless it was it to me it taught me a lot about um, what's fantastic about um, operating your own enterprise and moving it forward and the tourism industry as I keep saying is just absolutely holistically made up of um, small small business of so the 300,000 or so businesses that are outlined as practicing tourism according to Tourism Research Australia around about 285,000 ish hopefully there's still that many Many of us um, have uh, five employees or less. So we are very much uh, an industry of micro-businesses. Yeah. But, um, you know, curiously and really interestingly, um, numbers of us obviously partake in international uh, export activity in terms of the international visitors that um, that come and, and frequent and spend money in our businesses. So uh, it's really quite a unique industry in that regard.
1: So you've obviously had the fires and then obviously COVID and you've uh, probably been as much as anyone triaging a lot of, traumatised, frankly, Tourism Council executives around the country, and me included, but also operators and industry stakeholders. What's your read of the sentiment nationwide at the moment, um, coming in, you know, what, first week of July?
0: Yeah, wow. It's been a really interesting nine to ten months, hasn't it? Uh, look, in some way, I mean, the fires were horrendous, and obviously they were... were, were Pocketed large pockets, but nonetheless, we've been concentrated more in some states um, than others uh, this time around. And we're obviously a, a continent which is used to fire. So probably, though, what we never saw with the fires um, that we saw previously, um, and, you know, the, these firestorms over December and January killed a lot of people, but not like the Black Saturdays from about a decade prior in Victoria, as well as it obviously horrendous fires that have occurred in TAS, as well as other parts of Australia over time, is that it was that global attention I mean, in some ways the fires probably happened at the worst time of year or time for Australia in that it was the, the atypical, you know, drop of all other other things at that, that time around the planet and suddenly Australia was front and centre, which basically looked like we were frying and... Um, we really did live that social media storm and you saw people mocking up images of people with gas masks on holding koalas and people feeding koalas and kangaroos by the side of the road and all these other images which just went absolutely global and i can really verify this so i had a very short break and went up to europe and i was in the uk at the time and all of this was really blowing up and Every second person I spoke to, the moment I opened my mouth and people realised I was a strange, just wanted to talk about the fires and I hope that part of the continent's okay. I have great memories of theirs. So we literally walked into this. And as an organisation, ATIC, we decided to really step it up. I think the one thing that tourism has lacked over the years, and it's not at all trying to be critical of numbers of our peers, but because there are various industry organisations, there's various parts of the visitor economy, we haven't always had the ability to speak uh, in one consistent voice at the one time on the one sort of um, agreed platform. And I think the fires actually gave us an opportunity to Put a stake in the ground and say this is what's really important. And I think a lot of Australians realised how interconnected the tourism industry was with their with their regional communities and more broadly. And then I think people have seen the impact of that. And then sadly, coming off those fires, I think we had about two and a half weeks off. Um, but the virus was already bubbling away in China. And then of course it hit us like a hit us like the proverbial at the end of January. And ever since we've been dealing with that. Um, insurmountable issue, which feels insurmountable. Although I think we are starting to get on top of it, but the repercussions are obviously significant.
1: Well, I know you're ringing from Victoria, and you're in Melbourne, so if you COVID can, capital, yeah. It, yeah, if you just thought you know, <laughs> shouldn't identify it, this is the problem. But um, right now, the so one of the one of the things you have been pushing for is the national approach to border restrictions being lifted, and. Obviously we've, as a state, rightly, um, clearly been uh, dragging the chain a little bit on that given our, our vulnerable population. So our premium moved on Friday. I think now all states have got varying degrees of a July date except for the recalcitrants on the west. Where do you see the – why was that f- f- firstly important from your perspective and, and about having a national framework for restoration domestic tourism? But um, I guess where do you see the, the, the border situation line up now with, um, with so many states now sort of putting dates at – Because of, frankly, Victoria might now be a bit shaky.
0: Yeah, look, it's a great question. And uh, look, I think in recent times, um, ATIC sort of continued double down around having a consistency around the the road out and a consistency of an approach to opening up domestic borders. We've had a few critics sort of say, well, you know, guys, why you keep pushing on this? There's pockets of COVID um, around the country. They're not going to go away anytime soon, which, quite frankly, is our point. I mean, the National Cabinet back on the 8th of May signed up to a... um, a suppression strategy um, for COVID nineteen, and they signed up to a roadmap out. And the PM, who's very good at this in terms of putting forward props to brandish um, to get the message out through that uh, you know seven sort of second clip on TV, showed that roadmap. And each state and territory which had signed up to that were also committed to stage three and stage four, which which involved particularly stage three, the uh, you know the removal of any existing domestic or, or inter or interstate. Border closures now. Well, I'm absolutely respectful, and we're absolutely respectful of the um, some of the challenges of different parts of Australia. Obviously, the you know, the Indigenous communities, particularly through Northern Territory and WA. Um, I've done a lot of travel through there in a previous life, and and through my own experiences. And you you clearly we've got some very dislocated and um, very poor communities in different parts of our country, which we probably don't talk enough about, and um, we sadly don't. Um, but on the, and we also have areas of Australia which do have. You know, larger levels of of the elderly, and we obviously are a country which prides itself on on our pristineness and clean nature, and and good health, and and so forth. So, I do respect the fact the states took took the approach that they did, but by signing up to a commitment on the way out, uh, and and agreeing to a suppression strategy, the moment um, numbers of premiers and governments got back to their own safe quarters, they basically parroted something more like an elimination or an eradication strategy, and we ultimately won australia and why it's important is that the domestic tourism is the absolute backbone of our of our industry uh and interstate is a key backbone a key backbone but it doesn't make the full spine and the full spine is domestic and it's 100 billion dollars a year uh, in terms of the visitor economy they're not our numbers they're the tourism research australia's numbers and they they built been built up over a long period of time strong growth and we all knew that the the domestic market had been growing in recent years so it just puts a huge handbrake on the on the country and on the visa economy if we don't ultimately move to open the borders. And we have not got an eradication or an elimination strategy in place of the virus. Only a vaccine okay. can achieve that. And that's why we have to be consistent and it's why we're trying to hold people to account back in mid-May. And that was always the missing issue in the um the announcement around the, the roadmap out was that the borders were ultimately a decision for the states and territories. And now, obviously, we're we're playing to the to you know to the the local political beat of each of those constituencies that have chosen the path that they've chosen.
1: Yeah, and that's a, I mean the absurdity of the situation where you can't cross some Tweed Heads to surface, but you can fly from Brisbane to Cairns.
0: Well, it lines <laughs> on the map. I mean, this is the difficulty. Yeah. They lines on the map. Now, Tasmania has a a really good excuse, it's more than a line, it's called Bass Strait, and um, so it's a decent lick of water. And so, yeah, look, I mean, the case for Tasmania is always, I've always believed it's been very different. I also believe, you know, the case for probably parts of Northern Territory has always been a bit different, but uh, the those communities in Northern Territory are not big receivers of visitors. So, um, but, you know, to the case of Tassie, and it's been a difficult situation for you, Luke, but, you know, $1.5 billion at least, in value is the interstate domestic market to your economy in Taziochi um interstate doesn't touch the sides and obviously you don't have an international market so Look, at some point, <laughs> the board has to yeah. be opened up. And look, actually, I, we're, I think it's been a really sound decision by the Premier there the other day. I think it's, he's actually keeping in line with what the roadmap out is and um, gives you a, guys a chance to start to get things moving as you move towards your peak season later in the year.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and I guess the, the challenge, the contrast to keep referring, um, whereas this is our traditional down season, and yes, it's been horrifically devastating in Tasmania, but also we know August is a very tough month for us the best of times. July, August is a very tough month, a couple of months. Between Northern Australia, this is their peak season, so um, the unfortunate challenge places in Broome and the NT in far north Queensland is that they're potentially having their entire peak season compromised and then border restrictions will be lifted just in time for the wet season.
0: Oh, the far north's a mess, and uh, it's, it's, it's really sad, and you sort of scratch your head a bit uh, at one level, but at another level, you go, well, "Okay, each each um, each sort of state has taken a taken a view as where they where they should be." And you know, they, in some ways, they're arguing on the side of right. If they keep a control border, they will eradicate over time, or believe they've eradicated the virus. But it's never eradicated because there's no vaccine. So hmm. I'm not a medico, but at at some point, the borders have to be reopened, um, for logic reasons. Otherwise have a separate country and all that comes with it. It's, I get a bit emotional about it sometimes because I just, I don't understand how some of this logic has got, got to where we're at. And at the moment, I think we're up to about six or seven iterations of what a, an open domestic Australian border will look like now. And each state and territory has refused to do anything uniform. Um, and so I guess it's just all it does is state of confusion is one way to put it. Um, there probably are stronger words, but the, the difficulty is it's it's not making it any easier, is it, for our industry, given the, no, the problems that are there.
1: And the challenge going forward with with every every state and you know, fully mindful of it in Tasmania, but every it's it could bear true in every regional community across the country that the reality there at some point. A visitor, or indeed a local who's gone away and comes back, and there is an outbreak of a community transmission, the negativity towards our industry is something we've got to be very mindful of. If that event, spot happens. on,
0: it's a real issue. And, and but the other thing we've got to keep in mind, I re-required myself to the facts the other night because I was just someone said to me, "Just keep going back to the facts." It's not a bad place to go. <laughs> um, is that uh, two thirds? Um, it was around seventy percent, but now it's back to around about two thirds of our cases. Of COVID cases in Australia since day dot have been through Australians coming home and bringing it back, or visitors that have brought it to our shore. Now, which is your point around that the tourism industry and someone is fingered in this because that's how it's that's how it's um, that's come to us, but. It's in over two hundred um, countries around the world, and whilst we you know people are having heart palpitations about the issues in around ten suburbs in Melbourne at the moment, um, you know, and they tend to be in the far flung areas, not in the leafy areas. They've got trees, but they're not quite as leafy as they are in the inner Melbourne suburbs. But in the Melbourne suburbs, um, the place I reside was was COVID was COVID Capital Melbourne um, in the early days with people returning from Aspen. Yeah. <laughs> so we have all of these issues where um, it ultimately has been brought in mm. by either our own people or by others. And that's the nature of this virus. It's, um, it's It moves very, very quickly. And we need to work hard on COVID-safe and work on initiatives that can continue to allow people to get around. And the natural instinct of people is to move and to do do things and to be social. That's what we are as people. And um, in our industry is the epitome of of, of of that. And we need to not let that dissipate. And I think that's been the hard one of the other hard things through this process has been watching the way politicians and bureaucrats have dictated how businesses should be run or how they can be run or somehow they understand how the business model uh, works by magically coming up with, you can have X amount of people on this yeah. period and you can have X, Y amount on this period. It's it's a pretty interesting way for people with almost no business experience to be telling business people of how to run their own organisation. Yeah,
1: managing risks across different sectors. The, the, the irony of leaving, not getting to a pub the other night, um because it was 20 cap. Max, and then the next day going to a gym and seeing people avoiding anything that resembling social distancing going on. Just the lack of
0: um, well, it's tough, isn't it? You know, that's in people, people are packed out in shopping centers in, in Melbourne. I can absolutely confirm that with you, and yet, um, you know, you've got other parts of uh, and people on the walking tracks are, are, are full. Um, you know, the it's been great to see some of the you know, the day trip activity really start to stimulate. I mean, the June long weekend. Um, The feedback we've had around the country generally, if they were celebrating the Queen's birthday over either one of the two weekends, has been a pretty positive experience. But the one and a half hour, nice easy drive, people have been getting out there. Apparently, a number of national parks are turning people back in some states because there was too many people arriving, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, What we need to do is is take that enthusiasm and get them to concentrate that more in, in um, you know, deeper longer stays. And that's obviously got to be the challenge of our industry, which is why. Let's get rid of all of this border rubbish, so that we can actually get down and people can get back back and sell their destination with some confidence, and then work on those other key factors like COVID cleanliness and and um, ensuring that um, you have a sustainable and, a, and an affordable product for people to consume.
1: So, so putting this together, we assuming we get border restrictions lifted and we do get to a place where we can manage risk and and ongoing. In other words, we can get on get on with business. The context of having different states now competing for the pie, um, the war chest uh, of states you know, around marketing and, and obviously attracting flights. Um, obviously, the how bullish are you around the fact that the market will respond to this? Given we are, as a country, going through potentially our worst economic conditions in a hundred years.
0: Yeah, look, I think so. I'm I'm probably more of the, the 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 glass. I'm a glass half full person, but on this, I'm more glass half empty. Um, but I do think there's going to be some great pockets of pockets of joy. I think just to talk about the happy things first. I think a pocket of joy will be Tasmania. I generally think Tasmania does tick a lot of boxes and there'll be a lot of Australians will will now reconsider Tassie. Though obviously many have already been, uh, but I think you've got a great opportunity, provided you can get Reasonable air and sea access. You've got a great opportunity, obviously, with the spirits um, to really leverage up, up in a really smart way. It's the great one, the greatest dispersal um, deliverers in Australian tourism in terms of people driving off and. Driving off at Devonport and then hitting the road, so it's just hope that that gets goes well. And I believe there's probably some challenges there in terms of how you do that in a really COVID clean way, because at the end of the day, it's a, it's it's a ferry, not a cruise. I get that, but you're you're overnight, <laughs> yeah. and so um, you know we wish the um, the operators of Spirit well in getting that back up and running. And oh look, I'm a very strong believer in a sustainable Qantas, and uh, I think the industry is too, and I think the industry just wants Qantas to just. Just just continue to, to achieve for the industry over time it 's been around a hundred years for good reasons, and it 's got a lot of work to do look i mean they 're talking about fifty percent of normal domestic capacity It'd big fantastic if that could increase um, you know over time. I think it gives this as the destination opportunity to to try to work with Qantas to um, to get more of that more of that pie and yeah you 're right it 's going to come down to be a bit of um, guns at 10 paces amongst the various STOs around how who gets what additional services or not, but you know I guess the opportunity is to try to you leverage your peaks to your best your ability and, and make those shoulders work. Everyone's going to have a slightly different strategy around that.
1: And obviously the, the the big issue also, a lot of businesses I know you're you're invested in on our behalf is around the future of JobKeeper. Um, what do you think? I mean there, there are many businesses frankly that I know will, will live and die on the basis of some form of JobKeeper being extended and I'm sure you know mentioning what was said before about the north of australia coming to their wet season post-september so what's your gut feel what's or from your the conversations you're having around how confident we can be that there'll be some form of job extended to the tourism hospitality sectors beyond september
0: well we're going to know by the end of july 23rd july the um, the federal treasury is giving an economic update and then we've got a federal budget in in October. Um, well, the mail remains pretty strong that JobKeeper um, is not going to end on a cliff face at the end of September. Right? You know, the, the announcements in recent days um, or in recent weeks, well, particularly last week, you know, the Qantas announcement was heralded as a significant announcement, um, but obviously numbers of other companies have done the same thing. Um, they've had to because of the, the changing market. Um, it's going to make it very difficult for the government to just stop JobKeeper. Um, they will clearly make some changes to it. It's it's expensive public policy, but it's important public policy, and I believe it's actually a very good policy from a from a Liberal National Coalition perspective, given its alignment, particular alignment and enthusiasm by the small business sector towards it. I think the feeling generally is that the government does understand the, the dilemma that's now facing. Businesses, I think the the governments, um, you know, would prefer to have people in businesses than than in an, an unemployment queue. Uh, and I think for a whole bunch of good for social reasons, that's the right thing to do. And I think most enterprises want to keep their good people, and they want to continue to operate. That's why they're they're running their businesses. And as I understand, the optimism in the industry in places such as Tasmania for the medium to longer term is very good, very positive around yeah. where they see the tourism industry yeah. coming back to. Which I always. Hold as, as as a back pocket lobbying point around why JobKeeper is really important to, to 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 go the full course on it. So, look, I'm dodging around the question a bit because all all we know is that we're getting a really good hearing in Canberra. Um, other industry players are getting good hearing. We're starting to line up the messages as best we can. I think we're we're more likely to not to have a have a JobKeeper program moving forward. But I think we need to be accepting there'll, there'll be some change. But the, the sympathies towards the tourism industry and the hospitality industry is 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 strong in Canberra. Um, we've just got to say, there's a reason you're investing in us. Is that because out the other side will be a significant deliverer of, of um, employment growth and um, you know sustaining we want our great industry of tourism. And and we we need this helping hand at this time.
1: Yeah. Hey, do you think one of the fundamentals is around this sort of ring tailing of what is tourism hospitality? I think that's probably the the biggest issue I'm concerned about is that. Uh, in places like Tasmania, which is a very pure visitor economy now, um, you know so many sectors that hang off the supply chain: retail, creative industries, the arts, um, events, um, through to you know architecture firms and manufacturers and people who make great cheese. The extension of JobKeeper beyond the tourism space. Do you, do you hang out hope that it won't be just a very narrow accommodation operators and tour operators and restaurants? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'd do on this this question because I I think the simplicity in some ways it was too simplistic the way JobKeeper was was set up in its purest form. The the JobKeeper is 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 the premises around how a business's revenues um, are going and has there been a change change in that? So there's been significant drops, but then um, is there a change change for the better? So we the position we're holding is that it's important that you just look at the business businesses themselves and whether they're making cheese or changing tires through to hosting people in accommodation or providing a um, a, a cruise or a you know a, a fast a fast boat launch it's it's actually about the the business itself not the the industry it's in mm. now, a lot of people are putting labels around the industry sectors that people will, will move forward JobKeeper will move forward with. And it's. I think it's nice that we've been mentioning pretty consistently in dispatches, which mm-hmm. is job well done all to to get our case across. But you're right, we've got to be careful. We're not. It's not made too narrow. The, the key messages for us is around it's got to continue and be maintained because industry hasn't had time to recover, specifically to businesses. We have a closed international border. The domestic border um, charade is just on the pain. And then on top, of, on top of that, you know there are people that are still in those businesses because those businesses want those people for their future and they just need more time. They need the next high season to come through so they can start to get things back on track. And then I would have thought any businessman or businesswoman worth their keep would want to be, be out of this program because it's ultimately, it's, it's government being in, inside their business, which I would have thought most most small business people would want them to be.
1: After all that, um, I know you mentioned is very close to heart. I know you're a regular visitor. Um, let's end on a positive note. What's your what's your favourite part of Tassie and which, what are you most looking forward to getting back and seeing when you get down here again?
0: Yeah, well, again, I love many parts of Tass. Um, I haven't spent much time on the West Coast, sadly, so I'd really like to do that. Look, i I've always been really taken by Cradle. Um, I just think it's just just an amazing part of the world, and just even just getting out on the road there, just the the the, the, the tundra, if you like, is probably the wrong description of the landscape. It's so different to any other parts of um, Australia. But I'm I I mean I'm, I'm a big fan of Hobart. I think it's a it's a cracking place. And um, but yeah, look, I like both the north and the north and the south. But i I'm, I think Cradle Mountains. Arguably, my favourite part of the state and around there, and uh, I just think it's just such a, such a compelling, interesting part of the world. Which, you, when you travel around a bit, you don't see places like that. So that's why I just think it's such an, a really. Interesting, interesting. Pool. It's probably why I'm a fan of places like Noosa because it's really quite unique in the Australian context. Um, and just so I think you know, in Tassie, you're lucky. You're, I mean, Fraser's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I just yeah, probably I'd say cradle. Um, cradle. So sorry for biasing to the north,
1: but... <laughs> <laughs> you did cover off just about every region. But I'm um, sure there'll be West Coast operators looking forward to seeing you over at Strawn if you uh, if you love no, Cradle actually... and uh, Strawn is um, and the Gordon River and Queenstown. That's history. Um, if yeah. you love Cradle, Strawn's just next an to and the West Coast is, uh,
0: yeah. No, I'm, I'm really keen. I've, I've made a commitment to my kids to get back down to um, the state. Um, obviously, it'll be opened up hopefully by 24 July. But yep. <laughs> uh, we'll do something in the next year, and I'd really like to get to the West Coast properly. I think All that right. would be that'd be really really exciting.
1: Well, so. thanks, you, Canda. Um, I know a lot of listeners, particularly the job keeper conversation, something that I know a lot of our operate businesses are literally hanging on because for them it is probably the difference between them seeing this out or uh, or not, and, and it needs to be as. frankly stated as that for a lot of businesses I've spoken to. Simon Westaway, Executive Director of the Australian Tourism Industry Council, Um, thank you for joining us and uh, thanks for listening to Talking Tourism, this round of podcasts uh, for this week and if you haven't caught the other episodes we've recorded today with Marnie Craig from Business Events Tasmania and Matt Cocker from the Hobart Airport, I encourage you to do so along with obviously the dozens of episodes of Talking Tourism we've produced over the last few months um, as something in there for everyone. Thanks for joining us and um, enjoy the rest of your day.
0: You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.